I read online yesterday, somebody suggested, have we tried yet taking 2020 and just unplugging it and waiting 10 seconds and then maybe plugging it back in or maybe like control alt delete? It has been an unbelievable year, right? Uh, even this week, things haven't gone how we thought they would. I mean, it seems like even a few days ago, we got the word that they were going to play March Madness without fans and that just seemed crazy, right? It seemed uh, like, how is this even happening in our world? And now here we are, just a few days later. Uh, basically, all major sports seasons have been suspended. Most colleges have sent kids home. Many kids all across the country aren't going to be in school for the next couple of weeks. Mass gatherings have stopped. And here we are doing church online, and you're just watching this at home, in your pajamas, just Get dressed already. In all seriousness, the situation, of course, is serious, right? The coronavirus, or more accurately, COVID-19, is spreading across the world. And now there are thousands of cases here in the United States. And more tragically yet, people are dying. And so the question I really want to look at today is, how should we respond as Christians? Now, people, of course, are responding already in a wide variety of ways, right? In a huge range of ways. Uh, for some of you, your pulse hasn't even gone up throughout these last couple of weeks. It hasn't really affected you. It's not bothering you. And you don't even expect that it's going to affect you in the weeks to come. And you might just not be the type of person that gets affected or worked up by this sort of thing. Well, for others you might be on the total opposite end of the spectrum, right? Maybe you're in panic mode. Maybe you're the person who's been stealing toilet paper from McDonald's bathrooms. And no, that's not a good idea. Some of you just went like, oh, I hadn't actually thought of, <laughs> thought of that yet. Of course, I think your reaction to what's happening in the world right now probably depends on how much of the virus is personally affecting your own livelihood right now. Uh, many of you have jobs where you're just not really going to be affected by this uh, in a lot of ways. Well, others of you, this is going to bring a drastic change uh, to your life. Uh, maybe not even from a health standpoint, but certainly from an economic standpoint. Uh, for those of you that work in the service industry, or uh, maybe you have a job where you can't just work from home, these could be really trying times for your family over the next month or so. And so the question is, as Christians, how should we respond? If we're supposed to reflect Jesus, then what should we look like in a crisis? And so what I want to do today is I want to give you three things that we need to do if we're going to look like Jesus Christ, even in a crisis. And so here's the first one. The first one is this, trade your fear for faith. Uh, the Bible says this about fear. This is from Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The verse means that as you press into God and you press into his spirit, that he will not give you a spirit of fear. Okay, well, how does that work? Well, one of the ways that it starts is it starts by you bringing your worries to him. Here's another important verse for you from scripture. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because he cares for you. Are you doing this? 
Right? Are you bringing your worries to God? I think one of the things that you can do that will be helpful is just to name your worries. Like, what are you actually worried about? Your stress levels may be up. Like, what is it you're worried about? Are you worried about your financial future? Are you worried about getting sick? Or maybe your kids getting sick or your elderly parents getting sick. I just want to tell you, worrying will not help you. It will only hurt you. Uh, Jesus says it this way in Luke 12. Look at this. This is so important. He says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And so I want to encourage you to turn your worries into prayers. So every time you feel anxiety creeping up and you, you begin to worry about something, you just call it out and say, oh, brain, stop. This is worrying and worrying is worthless. It doesn't do anything. It's not going to do anything, but just work me up. And so we need to do what the Bible says. And we need to take our worries, turn them into prayers, cast our anxieties upon God who cares for us. So we just need to stop and say, Lord, I know that you are in control. I know that you got this. I know you have a plan for me. I know that you love me. I know that you're bigger than this. One of my kids came up to me this morning and just said, Dad, should we be worried about this virus thing? And I just said, buddy, God is so much bigger than the virus. He said, yeah, you're right. But we got to remember that, that God is bigger than the virus. So we trade in our fear for faith. One of the things that I want to really, really encourage you to do over the next a number of weeks is to make sure to, that you read the Bible every day. Now, maybe if you've been out of the Bible for a few months or maybe even a few years, I want to encourage you to start even maybe with one of the letters of the New Testament, uh, the book of Philippians. It would be a great place to start this week. If you don't have a Bible, you're like, I'd like to start reading the Bible, but I don't even own one. Uh, Certainly one of the easiest ways to do that is you can get our Renovation Church app. You can actually read the Bible within our app. I encourage you to do that. It'd be so helpful for you this week and in the weeks to come to hear God's voice through his word. And the reason that that's so important is because there's just so much noise right now. Like if you spend all day over the next couple of days, just, and some of you are doing this right now, you just listen to the news all day long. You're just reading the news, checking the news for another update. And you're just scrolling through social media all day long. What that will do is it will drown you in anxiety. And so yes, be informed, stay up to date, that's helpful, but you've got to each day unplug from that. Cast your anxieties upon God and then listen to his own comforting words of truth for you. And just open up the Bible and say, Lord, I need you to speak into my situation right now. You know, for those of you that are watching this and you already follow Christ, I just want to tell you, we ought to look really different from the world when it comes to this. We ought to look really different when we're talking over the next couple of weeks with our friends, with our coworkers, how you're posting on social media. In times of uncertainty, Christians must be dealers of hope because we know that God still has a plan. We know that God is still on the throne and we're going to get through this. And so deal some hope. We cannot fear. Uh, let me give you another way that we need to look like Christ in a crisis. The second way is this. Don't completely isolate, but come 
together. Now, I know this is going to sound a contradictory to what health officials are saying right now. I'm not saying that you even need to physically or literally come together, but you need to reach out to each other. God has created us to be supported by each other, and isolation kills. Like If you spend the next, say, three or four weeks all by yourself, it will slowly break you down mentally, emotionally, spiritually, especially if you're single, especially if you live alone, especially if you work from home all the time over the next month, you've got to find ways to connect with other people. Jesus lived in community. We were meant for community. Now, thankfully, this is the year 2020, right? It's not 1920. So we can still come together digitally. Now, I know it's not the same. I wish, it's, it's just not the same, right? But it is better than nothing. Encourage each other daily uh, through texting, uh, through phone calls, FaceTime with each other, do Google Hangouts. Isolation is so dangerous. Like I get, I get it, like we gotta have a measure of a social distancing, right? But listen, use the powers of technology then to keep connecting with people. We can't lose our sense of community in this. And then check in on those around you who you think may be struggling in fear and isolation. Be there to listen to them and, and, and to pray for them. And let's not get crazy here either. Like no one is saying right now that you can't go out and see people. Like the whole country is not on complete and total quarantine right now. If you and your friend are both healthy, get together, encourage each other, go on a walk together, get outside. Yes, social distancing, but... But don't isolate to your own spiritual detriment either. All right, let me give you a third uh, thing that we need to do as Christians if we're going to look like Christ even in a crisis. And I think this one is so important. And it's this. Don't turn inward, turn outward. We can't turn inward. See, in a crisis, if you study crises of history, in a crisis people's natural tendency is always to turn inward, is to look out for number one, to make sure above all things that I'm okay and that I will survive. And this is what we're seeing all over the country right now. People are fighting each other over toilet paper, over hand sanitizer. People are going to the stores and they're hoarding up supplies for themselves while others who are in need can't get what they need. I saw a story of this from one of our own people this week. Uh, Her child was sick and they needed children's Tylenol and they were unable to get any in the store because people had already hoarded it up for themselves just in case they may need it. Our first inclination as humans too often is what do I need to survive? We think about ourselves before we think about other people. But listen, if we are going to look like Christ in a crisis, if we're going to look like Christ, we need to consider other people as more important than ourselves. We say all the time as Christians that we need to serve other people and we need to value them as more important than ourselves. And now I tell you, our belief in that will truly be be tested. Do we believe that or do we not? I pray that you do. Listen to me. We need to be the ones, as Christians, we need to be the ones that are saying to our friends or on social media, we need to be the ones ones that are saying, hey, who needs toilet paper? 
I have extra. I can help. We need to be the ones that are saying, hey, who needs medicine? We have extra. I'll drive it to your house. Hey, who, who, who's stuck in their house and afraid to go out? Let me help you. Or, or maybe you know someone who's in an at-risk population and it's just not really safe for them to go out right now. And maybe offer to go grocery shopping for them. Or maybe, maybe there's someone in your house group or in your a neighborhood that's gonna be hit hard financially by this over the next month or two. Offer to help them in some way. You know, maybe it's to watch their kids or maybe it's to bring them meals. Let's be the church. Listen, church, this is an opportunity for us to shine. See, I believe as Christians that we are always glowing for Christ, but as the world gets darker, it ought to be easier for them to see us glowing. And so if we want to look like Christ, especially in a crisis, we need to be the ones that are on the front lines, serving, volunteering. Jesus was always first to serve. He's the first one to wash the feet of other people. And that ought to be us. You know, there's this uh, fascinating book uh, by Rodney Stark. It's called The Rise of uh, Christianity. Uh, It looks like this. Uh, Stark uh, was a sociologist who uh, specialized in uh, religion, and he spent his entire life uh, studying religious movements. And this uh, particular book, The Rise of Christianity, is a book about how Christianity grew from this kind of tiny backwoods movement in the way far off corners of the Roman Empire to become the dominant religion of the Roman Empire in just a few centuries how did that happen? That's what the book is about. And Stark tries to explain it, not from a spiritual perspective. So his answer, he doesn't just say, well, it was God, you know, it was God's plan and God, and God moved. Now we believe that, but he tries to explain it from a completely rational and sociological perspective. And in this book, he has an entire chapter that is dedicated just to epidemics and plagues. And he shows that it was in the plagues of the first few centuries after Jesus ascended back into heaven. It was in the first few centuries during the plagues, during the epidemics, that Christian conversions grew exponentially. And here's what would happen. Uh, In the first couple centuries uh, after Christ, epidemics would often reach uh, cities or uh, regions and the pagans would flee right away. Now, at that time, most of the entire Roman Empire was pagan. Uh, that just means they worshipped like the gods and goddesses of what we would call a Roman and Greek mythology. And these pagans, they would flee when the epidemics came to their city, and they would often leave behind their close friends, their neighbors, often even their close family members. They would leave them behind to die because paganism is a religious system. It's a system of thought where it's about using a God of your choice to improve your own life. It's very selfish. But the Christians would stay in their cities because Christianity is about loving others first. It's about putting them above yourself. And the Christians tried as best as they could in that situation to love their city, to love people in crisis, because they strongly believed that that's what Jesus would do, that he wouldn't run. This is a really important time for us to be asking this question. If Jesus were here right now in this city, 
What would Jesus do? And they felt like he wouldn't run. This is the teaching of Jesus, right? This is the good Samaritan. When you see someone who's ill and hurting and in need of something, that we don't just walk by saying, oh, I gotta really make sure I gotta take care of my own life. That we say, how can I, of course safely, right? But how can I, how can I help? How can I serve? And so what, what Stark shows in his book is that it was actually in the epidemics. It was during viral spread that thousands upon thousands of people in the Roman Empire first got to see the love of Christ actually in action. And then they eventually gave their own lives to Christ and became followers of Jesus. See, I believe that this situation that we're in right now is an incredible opportunity for us to shine. This is a chance for us to prove that our God is real and to demonstrate that not just in words, but in actions in our life. Let's not waste this opportunity in fear or in isolation or in selfishness. Let's be the church and let's reflect Jesus Christ. And as we serve people, let's point them to something bigger. You know, I think so much of the fear that we're seeing in our country right now stems from the fact that deep down, people are uncertain about what happens after death. Let's just, let's just overtly state it. They are afraid of dying. See, but as Christians, one of the reasons that we can look so different in crisis is because we are confident of what will happen after our death. We are confident that even if this should get out of control, that if we should die, that we will spend forever in heaven with Jesus Christ. And I just want all of you to know that. Maybe, maybe you're watching this today. Maybe a friend told you to watch this. And maybe you don't even normally go to church. I want you to know that the Bible teaches that God loves you. That God has seen all of your mistakes, all of your sin, and yet seeing all of the things that you've done, he loves you so much that he still sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in your place. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, what he was doing is he was dying for your punishment. And the Bible says that if you believe in him, if you believe Jesus died in your place, you surrender your life to him, you say, I'm gonna become a follower of Jesus, that he will completely forgive you. You can know that you, can be com- that you are completely forgiven, that you can spend all of eternity then, because you're forgiven with Jesus in heaven. That comes just through faith. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. I think a lot of people think, well, Christianity is just like do enough good deeds, have your good deeds, outweigh your bad deeds, and then you'll go to heaven. That's absolutely not it. If that were it, why in the world would God have his own son die on the cross? No, we are saved when we believe that Jesus died for us on the cross. And if you never understood that, I encourage you today, maybe even when this video is over, just to invite Jesus into your life. Maybe you just kneel by your bed or by your table or by your couch or wherever you are and just say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I need you in my life right now. I want to invite you into my life and he will come in and you'll get to have a relationship with God. And I, and I tell you, that is so necessary at this time. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to end uh, this message now with prayer and then we'll have some announcements for you. Lord, I just pray that you would be uh, with us right now in our city, in the state of Minnesota, in our country, God, even all around this world. We need you. People are crying out to you. God, keep us healthy, keep us safe. And Lord, I pray for for us as Christians, that you use us in these dark times to be a light for your name. 
And it's in your name we pray. Amen.